1: Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, here we are at uh, close to 1245 a.m. A top Highmark Stadium field, a very depressed one after the Bills lose. Was the final score here? 24 to 22. I have to look even. I mean, just because we're all just talking about what happened at the end of the game. Matt Boves here with me. Sal Capaccio. It's always game day in Buffalo. Let's start at the end and then kind of work our way back, I guess, because 12 men on the field to what could have ended the game and didn't is inexcusable.
0: Inexcusable. And you cannot have that. And it makes me wonder if they will have a new special teams coordinator by this time tomorrow, and I don't know. Because I think, I do not say this lightly. I want to make this incredibly clear. Suggesting somebody might lose their job or should lose their job is a really tough thing to do because these are humans, and I don't want anybody to lose their job, especially something that they love. But the way that this game played out, somebody's getting fired. I don't know if it's going to be their special teams coordinator. I don't know if it's going to be their offensive coordinator. It's certainly not going to be Sean, and it's not going to be Josh, but one of these other coaches, I think, is going to lose their job, and they should because the Bills got outplayed, they got outcoached, and they got outclassed to a team that's not very good.
1: No, the Denver Broncos are not a very good team, but right now the Buffalo Bills aren't either. No. And they made mistakes all night. It started on the first play of the game. Mm -hmm. First play of the game, James Cook fumbles. Doesn't see the field again for a while. Finally goes back out there does a great job, fumbles again. I would say it was a bad exchange from Josh Allen. And then he fumbled again a little bit later, and he got the ball back, almost you know, took it to the house, was kind of crazy. Josh Allen throws the ball to Gabe Davis, dropped right off the hands, mm-hmm. intercepted. Later on, right before the half, horrible decision, horrible by throw by Josh Allen. Critical mistakes all year have killed this team. And that is a coaching issue. Whether you want to say it's Sean McDermott issue, or the coordinator issue, or even position coaches. Somewhere along the line, they are just not detail-oriented and buttoned up like we are used to this team being.
0: As we finished the press conference with Sean McDermott, so I was out on the field because we had the game on Channel 7, so we had a post-game show, so I'm listening to it in my ear. Now, a lot of these press conferences is not just what they say, but how they say it in the body language. So I didn't see it in person, but I heard it. You saw it and listened to it in person, The way that Sean immediately defended his defense after this game is mind boggling to me because that to me is somebody who is putting the blame on the offense. And if you want to do that, like it's totally warranted. You gave up four, you had four turnovers, you didn't score points at all in the first half, really. I think they had eight in the first half or whatever it was. But I couldn't believe that he did that. Like it felt like he was too quick to say, Yeah, but the defense, we're missing five starters. He said that twice. Yeah, but we're missing five starters. And the only reason we were in the game is because of the defense. It's just weird because it has me wondering what happens next. He was specifically asked about Ken Dorsey and if he is confident in Ken Dorsey. And he said, yes, but I know there's things that we need to do better. I do not expect him to go up to a press conference podium and say no, but that doesn't mean that's how he really feels. And I'm imagining those conversations are probably happening right now.
1: And he's not wrong about the defense. now. but you're right. You know, the way he came out is kind of like, wow, like mm-hmm. eyebrow raising, right? He's not wrong. The defense played their tails off again. I thought they did it against Cincinnati. They did everything they could. Now they are put in, a, in tough situations. And at the end of the game, they make critical mistakes. They should have never been in that situation. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo Bills offense continually, routinely put the defense in bad situations. And you know who else did? Special teams. Listen. It's a bad concept. Okay. Not only that. Why are you punting to the best punt returner in the league Mm -hmm. all night? Marvin Mims killed them with special teams and returns. Matt, they didn't have to punt it to him. I don't know if Sam Martin's mishitting, if they're calling punts to him because they're just confident they're going to tackle him. But this was a complete special teams failure and complete offensive failure from a continually making mistakes point of view again. And I will go back to the defense, I think, played a good game. I think the defense played a good game. They, there's only so much they can hold on to.
0: They played a good game, but at
1: some point you want them to make a stop yes. and or play. How about a play? Like get a, get a turnover. They got one turnover, yeah. something like that.
0: But at one point, you take the. Le- this was eerily similar to the Patriots game where the Bills' offense looked inept for most of the day, but then still took a lead late in a game. And you're sitting there, and I looked at Thad Brown, who was in the tunnel as we were waiting for this game to end, and I said, I have no confidence that this defense is going to make a play. I'm very confident that the Broncos are going to move down the field. I was like, if you're the Bills, would you start using your timeouts to try and get the ball back because you know you're going to fall behind? And that's what we saw. And like they even had a sack mixed in, but... The all-out blitz on third and 10 is just so interesting. I I get it's a risk-reward play that works the play before, but I think it's situationally so different to blitz on second and five when they're basically in field goal range as opposed to third and 10 when even if you give up nine yards, you force them to make a decision on kicking a really far field goal or making one play to ultimately (laughs) win the game. And it just doesn't make sense to me the Taron Johnson penalty is one of those ones that I think people will get fired up on. Even he said after the game to you, like, I don't think there's anything I can do. It's a penalty just because it's a bad penalty. It's stupid that that's the rule, but it is like, it's a penalty, an underthrown ball. If it's a perfectly thrown ball, it's a touchdown. It's an underthrown ball. It's like, okay, what are you going to do? And Judy made the right move. I mean, he goes up and he looks like he can't touch it or catch it because of Taron standing there. So, it, 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 they were bad offensively they were bad defensively not bad defensively they were okay i think
1: they made stops on defense the second half punt fumble punt punt so they get the the first four drives they stopped them mm-hmm. right look look at the average field position denver 40 their own 41 mm-hmm. denver's average starting drive was their own 41 yard line that is incredible I've, i don't know if i've ever seen that in an nfl game but look at these drives in the second half for denver three plays 13 yards three plays 2 yards six plays 8 yards three plays 4 yards I don't know what else you can ask the defense to do when they're getting put. Look where they're starting the, the their possessions. The 25, their own 39, the Buffalo 47, the Buffalo 48, the Denver 46.
0: But where is that at the end of the game when you need right. to make a play? And that's the thing that I'm struggling with because it's not like this was a methodical march down the field where the Broncos were converting on fourth downs or you had like one crazy play that you gave up that allowed them to go to field goal position. They almost immediately got to half midfield. And then after that, you know, the penalty was the the backbreaker for them. But one play changes it. One big play changes the entire game. Uh, the, if you're blaming people here, defense is pretty low on the totem pole, but they still could have done enough to get a win.
1: You know what really hurt them on that play was that drive was the first play. Minute 55 left, they have the ball. Samaji Ryan. Gets the ball from Russell Wilson, goes 18 yards out to the Buffalo 40, 43. Cam is the one injured on the play, and that hurt the Bills because they had to use a timeout on that play, and it stopped the clock for the Denver Broncos, right? So that came back, but that really hurt them. They get the ball immediately out on that play, and there's really, I mean, I don't know, the defense is playing playing it right, and then all of a sudden, Russ just kind of flicks it out there. There's just so much stuff, but one of the things we have to talk about is the Buffalo Bills quarterback. All right, Matt, this is uh, a really, really tough stretch right now for Josh Allen. It's been, you know, pretty good season numbers wise, but I think we all agree that he's not the same quarterback. No. Something's going on and, you know, he's just, we can, you want to point to offensive coordinator, you want to point to receivers, you want to point to him, whatever it is, there's something different about this quarterback than what we've seen over the last several years.
0: Just doesn't look like himself. Doesn't look like he trusts the guys around him. Looks like he's forcing things that he shouldn't be forcing. The first Failing out of pockets. Failing out of pockets where there's not pressure, but he feels like he needs to get out of it. It just doesn't look like the same guy. Now, I have to try and find a balance here. Josh Allen deserves criticism. Josh Allen deserves blame. But he also leads the league in touchdowns. So it's such a give and take of like, Yeah, he's one of the reasons why they're losing these games. I mean, he had two turnovers on him today. He had an interception, the one at the end of the first half, and the botched exchange to James Cook. Those are on him. Those plays cannot happen. But I think he's also the only reason why at times they can move the ball because it does not feel like he's getting a ton of help around him. Now, tonight he did. Running the ball, James Cook had 109 yards on 12 carries. Now, on one of those carries, he fumbled the ball and then continued to run it for a 42-yard gain. Latavius Murray averaged 7.6 yards a carry. He had 68. So if you looked at this box score and you said, oh, wow, 109 yards, 68 yards, the Bills must have had a lead and then tried to ice the game at the end with running the ball. No, they were just more effective against Denver's defense when they kept it on the ground, but then the mistakes ultimately hurt them. It's just everybody had... A drop. You, you, Stephon Diggs had a drop. When Stephon Diggs has a drop, you're like, what the heck is going on? Gabe Davis had a drop that turned into an interception. Dalton Kincaid had a drop that wiped out what it would have been a first down. And then I think Latavius Murray had one as well. So it's just the comedy of errors and shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over. It just is inexcusable.
1: 192 yards total for the Bills on the ground. 7.4 yards a carry. Josh Allen had a couple design runs. He did. He, his longest run of the day was six yards. Here we go with again with, you know, Josh not running that much. He had by the way that six yard was a touchdown. That was the touchdown run, six yards. We didn't see much of Josh Allen running again. Dalton Kincaid with another big game for the Bills, receiving on six targets. He caught five of them for fifty one yards. He uh, caught a touchdown pass from Josh. The only touchdown that Josh threw. That was nice to see, as well. All right, so you know the way it works, Matt. When things don't go wrong, when things go wrong and you're in a, you're tough like this, this kind of situation, sometimes there's a fall guy. Mm-hmm. You said it earlier that, you know, they're going to, they could fire somebody. What justification, what level of, I, let me ask it this way. Do you think Ken Dorsey could be the fall guy? Yeah. And do you think that that would be a move they would make? And do you think that it's justified to make it?
0: Yes. And yes. And like that sucks to say that because once again this is somebody's livelihood this is somebody's job i'm not rooting for anybody to lose their job or for anything to for this to happen but if you fire Ken Dorsey and replace him with Joe Brady are you really any less confident in the offense cuz i think i might be more confident i think they might be more creative
1: and more innovative sometimes you get a bump from that too from a different coach what about if they came out tomorrow and Wednesday or Wednesday and said well, Ken Dorsey's still the offensive coordinator, but Joe Brady's going to call plays. Would that do anything for you?
0: Sure, but what's the point right. at that point? I agree. Right? It's like, why, why are you trying to do this? It's like the same reason Leslie Frazier took a year off. I don't think Leslie Frazier took a year off. I think it was like, hey, man, we have way too much respect for you to part ways with you, so we're just going to say that you're taking a year off, and then magically in a year, you're going to not be with the organization anymore. So... No, I, I don't think that that would make any sense. I think that if you're going to make the move, you got to make the move. And I think that at this point, the only thing here—and this is crazy—they're five and five. They're not, they're not making the playoffs. So, do you need to do
1: it now, or do? Oh, you- well, let's let's say. I think we can both sit here and say, okay, they're probably not making the playoffs. They're not. They're not going to operate like that, though. No. They're not going to operate as if the season's over. They're not. Pushing, tanking it, or in and you know, saying, "Oh, let's we're going to evaluation mode." This organization is not doing that.
0: No, you're right; they're not doing that. But if Dorsey goes another week, right, or two weeks, whatever it is, I don't even know who they can beat. I want to say, okay, you go and you come back and you beat the Jets, and you're six and five, and you say, "I don't know if they can beat the Jets." I don't know who they can beat. I mean, they had four turnovers today against the Broncos. Like the Jets already beat them this year, and another game where they had four turnovers. So who knows? Maybe they do that again. I I don't know. I think that you could make a legit argument for Ken Dorsey to not be with this team anymore and Matthew Smiley, the special teams coordinator, because if Sean McDermott says that they practiced that moment three different times this week of getting off of the field from a dime and then getting onto the field to try and stop a field goal, like somebody's going... but,
1: But honestly, that falls on Sean. Those guys work for you. It's well, it's so. his, it, there's, I think there's a difference between responsibility and blame. Yeah. It's always his responsibility. You're, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's his responsibility. He's the boss. Yeah. It doesn't mean he is necessarily the person that caused it to happen. No. You could I, I always say this. it's like you give your you know you're, you're a, a newer dad, but you give your kids all the tools in the world and the resources to work with. you can't actually go live their life for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's just like, how many times do these mishaps need to happen? for a change to be made and for the offense it is now six weeks it is six weeks of them just not looking like themselves the best offensive output that this team has had the best they've looked was a game against the Bucs when they scored 24 points and then I watched CJ Stroud destroy them and then I look at what they did against the Bengals they score 18 points and I watched CJ Stroud a rookie quarterback destroy them and I'm sitting there and I'm like where is this? Why does it feel like they have no identity? And then they do the first three, four possessions of this game and they don't do anything offensively. Then they go up tempo and they march down the field and they score and you go, Oh, maybe you do more of that. And then they get the ball back at the end of the half and they throw an interception. And then that kills kind of any juice that they've got going. Then it goes to the half. And then once again, they start slow and then they somehow tie it off of the fumble. The only turnover that they had, their only turnover in, what, five weeks or something like that since the Patriots game? They lost this game with a turnover differential of three. They had four turnovers. The Broncos had one, and they almost still won the game. Like, it's just mind-boggling. So I I don't know what's going to happen, but, I mean, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, like, there might be an answer at that point. I, I don't know.
1: All right, let's talk about where they go from here. Five and five you said it, or they're you know they're not making the playoffs. I mean, I don't I think all the numbers are going to tell you they're not going to. they're not going to operate like that. They're not going to. people are thinking, look, I know I know what fans are thinking, right? I get this all the time. Well, you just play for draft picks now. that's not going to happen, folks. I'm sorry to tell you, they're five and five. they will have the mentality of we gotta get up next week, we'll be six and five, we can go, we can still beat the Eagles the chiefs, and we can that's how they're going to operate, so there's no sense in even thinking about packing it in and getting a draft pick, you know, that's not going to happen here. They have to now get ready for the New York Jets. And one thing I do think that is going to be interesting is, and that would never, you'd never get it from, like, players are never going to tell you, they're never going to point fingers. But I do think, Matt, that is very critical for this team right now to see how they, what kind of body language sticking together. There's been players all year, they don't they don't do like, post-game interviews and they get very upset and they leave. And I get that. Like, um, you know, you can, you can be in those positions. But I think it's interesting now to kind of see how this goes between the offense, the defense, the coaches, and maybe the kind of messaging we see, the reports or anything like that. Heck, we got Trayvon Diggs texting, I'm sorry, tweeting. to, to get Yeah, get 14, get Stefan out of there. I mean, these are the kinds of things that can literally tear apart an organization.
0: And yep. And it feels like that's started to unravel a little bit. It feels like right after the game, it was like somebody took a pin out of a grenade and then it just exploded. And, you know, we would have had this much criticism if the kick misses and they have 11 players on the field and we would have been like, hey, they won, but... They got a lot of things they need to figure out, and this does not look like a playoff team. Well, you don't have the benefit of the doubt. That was the podcast after the Giants game of like, okay, but that was even before the wheels had fallen off. So now you've got an offense that's scoring 20 points a game led by the guy who has the most touchdowns in the NFL. You've got a head coach who obviously is being criticized by tons of people because it feels like a lot has boiled over on him and i think people's patience is where people's patience is wearing thin even though he's not going anywhere like he's got way too long of a leash to be the guy who ultimately takes the heat for this and now you've got stefan digg's brother tweeting about it you've got people realizing they've got a 30 percent chance at making the playoffs you have mitch morse coming out to the podium with josh allen which i've like never seen before to kind of almost like be by his side to support him which is admirable but also like a sign that things are seriously wrong with everything that's been going on. They'll they'll say all the right things. They'll say we still got a chance, one week at a time. Got to focus on the Jets, but you can only do that so many times and have this result, and it actually you know have an impact on something, change something.
1: I'm I'm rambling. I'm sorry. No, we're, we all are. I think the bottom line is something's wrong with this football team. Yeah, and and we can say well we can joke. This wrong, this wrong, and this wrong, and this wrong. I, I, there's probably a lot of things wrong, but there's something wrong with this football team. And I think that's the, the tough part is trying to put your finger really on what has happened here.
0: Maybe Diggs was right in the summer. I don't know. I, don't, I, I have no idea what the whole thing was about and why there was a disconnect and why there was all of these different rumblings or whatever. But it's weird to me that his brother is taking a shot at the organization right when things start to like hit rock bottom to try and dig them into a deeper hole. Like obviously Trayvon knows how Stefan feels. So that to me is a clear indication that Stefan Diggs is once again, not happy with things that are going on. And I would imagine that is a continuation of all of the things that he was unhappy about, whatever those were in the off season. And I think a lot of people were like, Oh, diva wide receiver, of course, you know, typical want attention, always wanted to be talking about them. Maybe he just realized like if we don't figure things out, we have reached our ceiling and we need to change things and they haven't. I don't know, that's just my read on it. Maybe it's and maybe that's how some people outside feel. I've seen so many people the last couple weeks say like they'll never forgive this team for 13 seconds because that is the closest they will ever get to actually winning a Super Bowl and I always thought that was crazy, but a couple of years removed from it and watching them let this season slip away, I absolutely understand where those people are coming from.
1: Five and five, the Bills very much now on the outside looking in in the AFC playoff picture. So we'll see what happens as they uh, get prepared for the New York Jets, but more like, closely and immediately, we'll see what happens Tuesday and Wednesday and if there's any news coming out of One Bills Drive as far as the – Coaching staff, any changes, we'll hear about that. Do
0: you think something happens? Let me ask you that.
1: Yes, I don't know what, though. I do. I I, I just think that it almost has to. Like Sometimes you do it just to do it and make a point, right? Not that you're just flipping about people's jobs, Mm -hmm. but sometimes someone has to, like I said, be kind of like the fall guy, fall on the sword, whatever phrasing you want to use. just seems like those kinds of things. This team is too good, too talented, has too high expectations to, I think, not have a significant change or some sort of change that some would view significant after what's happened here after 10 games.
0: But if that is their special teams coordinator, and I think imagine I would imagine a lot of people who listen to this podcast, who watch this podcast, probably have no idea who the name of that person even is. A lot of you probably do, that it's Matthew Smiley, but some of you may, don't, may not, and I think that doesn't move the meter. I think if the Bills come out on Tuesday afternoon and release a statement that they are parting ways with special teams coordinator Matthew Smiley, that does not move the meter. That does not send a message
1: to really any – maybe internally it does. I think, I think it would send a message to internally in the locker room. Yeah. And that's, that would be more important to them than what it would send to you or me.
0: That's right. But I also think that those guys, for as much as they say they block out the noise, they hear the noise. They see the noise, I'm and good. and they will not be like, oh wow, like Matthew Smiley. I'm sure he's a very li- he's a great guy. Like I, Matthew, I've had a, several conversations with Matthew Smiley. Really, really like him. Um, but that doesn't, you know, that that's not on Sports Center tomorrow. <laughs> quite frankly, if they fire Matthew Smiley, if they move on from their offensive coordinator, it is a massive shockwave through the organization and really to everybody on the outside, proving that like. We realize we're broken.
1: Eric Wood told me a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about a coach getting fired. I think it was like um, when the Raiders fired McDaniel and then Antonio Pierce. He said, I said, why Why do teams all of a sudden play better for the new head coach? Sometimes you get that that spike, right? Mm-hmm. He said, because and this makes sense. Because the players want to show, okay, they did this. We better show it was him and not us. Not me. I, I'm not the problem, right? Because next in line is, if can't, okay, it's not him. It's got to be you. And Eric said it does get your attention because you want to you want to perform to make sure everybody knows, okay, yeah, you made the right call. It's not me, it was the coach.
0: That's what I think about when I think of Sean coming to the podium and mo- saying right. multiple times that like we were missing five starters on defense and that's why we were in this game. It just feels like Jeremy White tweeted this. It feels like he was a little qu- too quick to get to that. It feels like why was he so eager to say like, "Hey, but the defense looked good." But the defense looked good. Like, you're the head coach, dude. Like, you don't need to convince anybody. Or, you know, you're not losing your job. You don't need to convince anybody that you're not the problem. Or at least you wouldn't... It's messaging, you think. Yeah, I think so a little bit. I think it's a message that the offense is the problem. And if that's how they feel, which I think it is how they feel, then I think it's valid or possible that we see change. I thought we might have saw change after the Bengals game. And after that, I was like, well... Still halfway through the season, you're still five and four. Go win your next two games. You're seven and four. Whatever, you know. Who knows what happens? But now, I don't know. I've thought this way too many times with the offense over the last year. I I remember having specifically this thought after the Browns game in Detroit where they started super slow, and I was like, this offense just does not look like they have it. And then in that game, they figured it out, and they won. And the next game, the offense looked slow, but they still did enough, and they won against the Lions. And then kind of they hit their stride again. But, I mean, since they went to London, the offense has looked bad. Not even okay. They've looked bad by their standards.
1: Well, whatever happens, if anything happens at all, we'll have you covered here Now It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt will have you at Channel 7 WKBW-TV. I'll have you on WGR Sports Radio 550.
0: Let me ask you this, okay? My initial plan for Tuesday was to go cover the Sabers game because it is Kyle Laposo's 1,000th game, and obviously there's some other Sabers rumblings that I, I won't really get into. But you know, if you're on social media, you've probably seen those rumblings. So my thought was, hey, on Tuesday I'm going to cover the Sabers. And when we I'll-
1: talk about PK, we don't mean the the penalty kill.
0: No, we don't talk about the penalty kill. Okay. South Buffalo understands what I'm talking about. So. My thought was that I'm going to go cover the Sabres game. I don't know if I can do that now. I, I don't know if I can go to the Sabres game because I'm worried I'm going to miss big Bill's
1: news. Well, I think if anything happens, we would, it would you'd know probably before then you can make a decision. That's why you got the great Brianna yeah, over at your station sure. and Michael yeah. and all those people.
0: Yeah, no, everybody's great and they will all absolutely handle it, but it's like FOMO. Yeah, it's like major FOMO. I really do not like when I am out of the loop when something big happens and – no disrespect to Kyle Poso, but if they move on from a big time coach tomorrow, that is the biggest story in Buffalo sports. Now, what would be really interesting is what is the biggest story if the other thing happens?
1: What's the oh then if they move on from Ken Dorsey?
0: Or if they sign that hockey player.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That'd be listen. Um, some good PR coming out tomorrow morning. At- by the way, by the way, hey, Kyle Poser, congratulations on your 1,000th game. Now go play the Boston Bruins, who yeah. basically are unbeatable almost, it seems like.
0: Yeah, could you imagine they lose tomorrow like 4-1 after this game tonight? Oh, they might. They everybody, could everybody, very well. And everybody's just like,
1: when do the Bandits start? Yeah, right. I know, right? Um, Well, my advice is go to your Sabres game. Do what you've got to do because you can't just wait around for something to happen that might not happen.
0: Let me say this. You said that you think it's going to happen. Something. I don't know something. what. I mean, it could be a position coach
1: for all I know. It could be something in the organization. Adam
0: Henry or something. Right. You think it's going to happen. I said, I think it happens. But the more we have this conversation, the more I think nothing happens. I don't
1: know why. They typically don't operate that way.
0: I know. I know.
1: But maybe now's the time. I mean, you know, that that's, yeah, but that's typically not something this organization does. All right, well, get some sleep, drive home safe. Look at you. Look at you. He's yawning right here on it's always game it's, day in Buffalo. It's-
0: 1.10 a.m. And I got a flight back to Grand Island to catch from Orchard Park. So I'll get home at 2 o'clock. I'm going to listen. I cannot expose myself to any talk radio on the Bills on the way home.
1: No, no, I get it. By the Bills lost a game where they only gave up 300 yards and 4.2 yards of play total. Unbelievable.
0: They almost won a game with four turnovers.
1: That's incredible. Incredible. Well, I guess it shouldn't be anymore with this team. Something's wrong. Let's see if they figure it out before next week. Let's see what they figure out to try and do about it on Tuesday or Wednesday. For Matt, I'm Sal. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. It's always game day in Buffalo.